Welcome back to the IPS IMDA Digital Inclusion Symposium. We hope you enjoyed touring the exhibitions and lunch. People are still streaming in, but we will start the afternoon program. A gentle reminder to use the hashtags DIFestival and Digital Inclusion if you are posting about the symposium on social media. Our next speaker is Mr. Bryn Anderson. He is a digital accessibility consultant and he works with organizations to deliver inclusive online experiences. His work involves driving accessibility testing and monitoring solutions. Mr. Anderson, please. Thank you very much. Ooh, it's loud. Um, right. Um, 15 minutes, so I'm going to, I have so much to tell you, um, so yeah, I'm going to do my best to keep to time. Um, I just want to start with uh, a concept, really. Um, if we take a topic like digital participation, and we say that's happening in a room somewhere, could be this room right here, we're participating in something right now. Um, if you have to go up some steps, in order to get to this room, um, if that's the only way you can access the room in order to participate in the conversation, then you might be, we might be excluding people that cannot walk up steps, right? So classic example is, is the, the wheelchair, right? The wheelchair user might be excluded from the, the conversation. In the, in the digital world, we also have barriers to to inclusion and barriers to accessibility. But in the digital world, we also have an immense opportunity in that it's, it's, a, it's a malleable medium, right? It's not brick and mortar. It's, uh, it's code, you know? We don't have to, to build wheelchair ramps to include people. Um, and I think somehow this, this it's a really basic concept and I think it gets a little bit forgotten sometimes in our aggressive development release cycles and our, you know, first to market kind of attitudes. Um, so yeah, more on that later. Um, my name's Bryn Anderson. I am visually impaired. Um, I have problems seeing things up close and I have problems seeing things far away as well. Um, I, as an example of this in the, in the physical world, I can't see the bus number until it's just passing me by, right? Um, and I cannot drive. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't be taking the bus if I could drive as well. So I, there's a couple of things in the, in the real world. I mean, if we apply it to this room here, if uh, one of you were to, to raise your hand to, to ask me uh, to ask a question, I probably wouldn't see you doing that. I'm aware of you here. I can see all the colors, the colors of the chairs, the colors of the shirts. Lots of pale blues and whites. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can't, I can't see the details, right? Um, so I have needs and requirements for interacting with the physical world. Uh, and in the same way in the, in the digital world, um, I also have needs and requirements too. In order to be included to participate, right? And ultimately, the, those in the, in the digital world, I just need things nice and big. Okay? Nice and simple, that one. I just need things big. I work for a company called Site Improve. Um, Site Improve provides uh, monitoring uh, tools and solutions for uh, content quality um, and usability issues um, to, to, to help large organizations and websites 
you know, public, private sector, whatever, um, to kind of keep a track of the co content quality of their, uh, their website and their brand. And part of that is uh, accessibility, provide, making sure content is usable to, to everyone. Uh, Site Improve is a, uh, a W3C member, um, and it also contributes heavily to, to some of the working groups there. In particular, in regards to accessibility, we were selected along with some other industry players, research institutes, to support the European Commission's accessibility directive um, that I believe Kim mentioned earlier on this morning. So a European-wide piece of uh, legislation adopted by each member state to ensure a technical standard of accessibility for all public sector websites. The work that we're doing with the W3C for the Commission is to standardise the way that people test for accessibility. So what is considered a pass, what is considered a fail. Something that is, uh, there's a lot of debate about in regards to interpreting uh, standards. Um, but what is digital accessibility? <laughs> I feel like um, sometimes, you know, it's a good place to, to start with the more practical hands-on approach to this, you know. Certainly from uh, building some empathy and a lot of, of what we're trying to achieve today collectively is understanding education and empathy. Um, so uh, this is a, a screenshot of uh, me on my Samsung Note 8. Um, I'm using uh, Air, uh, Norwegian Airlines app and um, there's some problems here. Uh, notably the button at the top, if you can't see the button, um, it's, uh, it's a red box with some clipped white letters in it. Um, you know, if you need to use this application, there is no way that you know what that button is for. I'm just going to play now the, uh, the video and you'll start to see me navigate around in this app and you'll notice that there are other things also, also missing uh, here. Um, when I go through here, there's a lot of truncated information in the input fields um, and there's also another button with even less information <laughs> down the bottom. It's only when I set the screen settings to uh, a text size that I'm actually find really hard to use or uncomfortable using, do I get the full experience as it was intended, right? So this is an example of a barrier to inclusion. Uh, this is an example of not a, a, an app that didn't think about me when they uh, designed it. Fair enough. Um, but that's the consequence of not including people in the design process. This is another example. Um, for those of you who hadn't heard, heard screen reader, you're about to hear a screen reader. It might sound a little bit funny. Um, please listen out for the words edit blank. Login page Google Chrome. Login page document. Visited link graphic PT logo login. Sign up link. Edit blank. Okay. Edit blank, right? I'm, I, you know, we haven't got loads of time to go into this, but it'd be kind of nice to hear what you guys think edit blank might mean. Um, it, we'll play that back now again, but with the visuals. Login page Google Chrome. Login page document. Visited link graphic PT logo login. Sign up link. Edit blank. And there's the edit blank. It's on the password field. I had to move it on, otherwise it carries on. It would annoy you all. Um, it's on the password field. So if, I don't, if I'm not able to make the visual connection, if I can't perceive what's happening on the screen visually, 
and I'm relying on the screen reader to communicate what I need to do, and I'm, I hear the instruction, edit blank, that's not some sort of term that blind people know what to do with. That it, it's, uh, it, it's just, it has, it's, it's ambiguous. No one would know what to do. Um, so as another example uh, to, um, to, to inclusion there, right? So the challenges that, we, that I'm talking about here, they're, they're absolutely not restricted to visual impairments. Um, and a lot of the, in my world, in the automation uh, accessibility world, a lot of the conversation is about uh, visual impairments, and there's good reason for that. Um, I'll very, very happily talk to you more about that in the break. Um, but I just want to, to, to make sure that we understand the World Health Organization, um, say around 50% of the world population have some sort of impairment or disability. So visual, visual uh, you know, sensory impairments like hearing loss, uh, sight loss, um, uh, cognitive impairments, uh, you know, the whole spectrum of autism and, and, and dyslexia and things like that. Um, but we've also have to acknowledge the, uh, the temporary impairments or the disabling environments, right? So carrying the child, pushing the pushchair, talking whilst driving, texting whilst walking. These are disabling environments that share a lot in common with, with you know, uh, uh, real sort of, you know, clinical disabilities, right? And the way that people interact. Because accessibility is definitely, definitely not about... Uh, you know, the, the disabled people, the us and them. It is just about humans interacting with stuff, right? Um, so it, 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 I think a few people have, have already touched on this, so I don't need to hammer it home, really, but th we do things differently. We have needs and preferences, you know? That's just how it works. And with this malleable digital medium, we can really start for the first time to apply this one-to-one -one approach, right, as opposed to a one-size-fits-all. The, 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 the problem we have is that right now, um, take, this is taken from uh, some UK research, uh, click away pound survey, if you want to look it up, it's a really fantastic uh, piece of research. 71% uh, of people that have access needs are clicking, are, are basically saying, no, not for me, thank you very much. Thank you, Norwegian Airlines, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I can't read your, uh, the information, so I'm not going to use it. So what solutions do we have for this, this huge, uh, or this problem that touches so many people, right? Essentially touches all of us at some point in our lives. Um, well, I think there's, there's a couple of, th well, there's a lot to this, right? Again, I think Yuta quite rightly said she can't, she can't tell you the whole, uh, the whole piece in 15 minutes, and neither can I. But I talked about two concepts, two ideas. One theoretical, which is the, the concept of universal design. It's already been addressed here. Designing for the extremes, designing for the the start and the end of the bell curve instead of what's in the middle promotes innovation, um, which has been so nice to hear that talked about today. Um, and it factors everyone in, in, in the middle. I think you used a scattergraph example I'm, I, and possibly the bell curve. I'm talking about the bell curve here. There's another chap, Derek Featherstone, who also talks um, about this as well. Um, universal design as a concept uh, is great. If you, uh, it's, it's very applicable in the digital world, if we apply it to a physical world object, like a can of soda, and we say we want to apply the concept of universal design to that, we would soon come into uh, some problems if we wanted that can to be accessible to someone who did not have the use of their hands, right? We'd have to really start right from the bottom. In the digital world, yes, we need to factor people in, but even retrofitting 
um, you know, accessibility issues can be a quick, easy fix to a piece of code. Don't have to build a wheelchair ramp. Um, in terms of, of, of the practical uh, way of measuring your, your universal design efforts, if you like, um, how can we, what is the blueprint to, to making sure our products are functionally work for, for a lot of people? Um, I mentioned uh, the web content accessibility guidelines. That is the, uh, the W3C standard that features as part of, the, of, of much uh, of the world's legislation on this topic, um, including the EU accessibility directive. Um, and this is basically giving you a load of testable statements that allow you to, to test um, if your content's going to perform uh, for everyone's needs and preferences. Yes, there's bias in it. Yes, it's, it's not perfect but it is a fantastic piece of work um, that really, really uh, can be used in a very practical way. Um, and I think that that's actually where organizations like Site Improve come in. Uh, Site Improve certainly not unique to this, but as once we've got a technical standard, it is actually something that we can build tests for, right? We can't automate the full set of WCAG requirements, but we can certainly automate a lot. Um, and that is, is hugely, a huge uh, cost-effective uh, exercise when you've got a lot of content and a wide reach, um, a large web estate. Um, so I just want to quickly show you a little bit about the journey within the, the platform to help you along this inclusion uh, path. We're, we're in here now, we're looking at a few different products, um, basically giving me insights based on uh, different parts of the, of the user journey, starting with search, um, talking about content quality, readability, broken links and stuff within the quality assurance piece, and then talking about usability, accessibility issues. If I want to improve this score, I've got a 62, I want to find out what it is. I can go a little bit deeper. Uh, I've got industry benchmarking, I've got uh, history and progression over time, and I've also got ownership of where these issues lie. Are these content issues? Are these uh, development issues? I have my guidelines. Again, I've got my specific issues uh, tracking over, yeah. over time. Really, really important to be able to demonstrate progress here, um, or a lack of as well, which tells a different story, of course. Most importantly, I can highlight these issues in context within my, on, on the page, okay? Um, this is essentially the snapshot with the, the guidance as to what the issue is and how to resolve it. Right here, we're talking about an image link that is missing alternative text. Alternative text, as I try to demonstrate Earlier is what a screen reader user relies on for, uh, for the screen reader to communicate to them what is in an image. And if an image is being used as an interface component, as a link to navigate, to submit uh, a form request or whatever, it has to have a text alternative in order for that person to know what it does. From here, we can then go into the content management system to resolve the issue, or alternatively, we can keep everything within the CMS as demonstrated here with Adobe Experience Manager, and pull all of the site improve issues and insights directly into that environment. Um, so to, to, to kind of summarize here, uh, there's the, the path to inclusion is, uh, is a long one, <laughs> really, if we want to talk about full inclusion. Um, uh, but there is absolutely something that can be done now um, you, the goal should never be 100%. The goal should be more than what we're doing today. Um, and there are tools out there and there are organizations out there that can support you on this journey. 
Oh, look at that. What about that? Bang on time. Thank you very much. <laughs>